Kia ora tatou. Welcome to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. You're listening to B-Side Stories, stories of the Wellingtonians. Who wait, Wellington Tech? That's not quite right, is it? It's not, <laughs> sure <laughs> it is. Well, it's not quite right, but anyway, I'm Sadie. <laughs> I'm Perrine. <laughs> and um, later on in the second half of the show, I'm going to have a musician, Lucy Smythe, come in. She's going to play some music live, which should be really cool. Um, in the meantime, we have Perrine and Perrine. Would you like to tell us? Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Yes. Stop, Perrine. <laughs> uh, first of all, I just wanted to quickly talk about Record Store Day, which is coming up um, this Saturday, the 13th. Um, exciting day for music enthusiasts to get down and get some uh, Record Day, Record Store Day releases. Um, it's also a sad day this time, though, because Newtown's Death Ray Records is closing down. Um, so that will be their last day. It's your last chance from 10 a.m. to I think it's maybe about 2. I'm not sure on that, but it starts at 10 um, in Newtown. To last chance to get down and show some support to APA, who's been running that for a few years now. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> hmm. Are you going to head along? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have to queue or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm really sad about it. Mm. So yeah, I want to get down there and maybe buy a poster or something. Yeah. <laughs> so over to you, Brian. All right. So we are here to talk about the living wage today. So the living wage is the hourly wage a worker needs to pay for the necessities of life and participate as an active citizen in the community. So this is kind of focusing on basic needs for workers and their families, food, transportation, housing and childcare but also a bit more than just those basics, I think. And we are going to talk to community organiser in Wellington, Lindy McIntyre, about this today. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. So you guys had an announcement last week. Yeah, it was every year at, on the 1st of April, we announce the updated living wage rate for New Zealand. And it was a very exciting event last Monday because it happened at Seashore Cabaret in Petone. Uh, and it was a double announcement. It was the announcement of the new rate, which is $21.15. But it was also an announcement that Seashore Cabaret have become the newest living wage employer and also now the largest hospitality living wage employer in New Zealand. So very exciting and a really buzzy, fantastic event. Good on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good on them. And so as a community organiser, does your um, are you out there talking to potential businesses like Seashore Cabaret about what they're doing or can you tell us about what your role is and how you... My role's a community role, so I'm one of two half-time community organisers in the country. There's one in Auckland, there's one in Wellington. Sometimes people ask us, um, where's the office and can someone come and see them or what can we do about anything? And actually I think people are often surprised to hear that we only have two half-time workers and we're community workers. So uh, my role is to support uh, organisations, largely, um, in, in our community, in the Wellington region, who share a common concern, who are, sort of, who are united around a concern about poverty and inequality and want to work together to call for the living wage. So 
No, my focus is on uh, my work is with the community, which is fantastic because it's an amazing community here in Wellington and the Hutt Valley and Porirua mainly and a wee bit further out into the region. But inevitably the job does does mean coming into contact with the fantastic living wage employers that, that we have. We work as closely as we can with them and we've worked... We spend lots of time at Seashore Cabaret. We've been supporting them in their journey over the past three years while they've been working towards becoming a living wage employer. And we've had events there, but last Monday was the first event since uh, they've actually crossed that line and become a fully accredited living wage employer. And it was great. You came on B-Side Stories back in 2017 and told us a bit about the history of the living wage movement in Aotearoa and you're spread around the country and it sounds it seems like you've got a lot of visibility around the country which is probably why people were expecting (laughs) that you've got more than more than two part-time staff. Yeah, well, we're an we're a movement. We're a social movement, and we're a, we're a new and different kind of social movement. We launched in Auckland in May two thousand and twelve, and in Wellington in August two thousand and twelve, and we are snowballing around the country. So we're a grassroots movement, and different little movements are popping up in places like Bluff. We have a network in Porora. We have a network in the Hutt Valley. We have one at Victoria University. So we we're we like to be we like people to be building people power at the grassroots and i guess it's fantastic to hear that we seem visible and out there but that's due to the activism of um those who are part of our member organizations so we have around 100 organisations across Aotearoa who have actually joined the living wage movement, the members of the living wage movement. And I'll give you an example of the kind of organisations they are so you can get a feel of who they are locally. So we're talking about the Anglican Diocese and the Council of Trade Unions and Changemakers Resettlement Forum and Victoria University of Wellington Students Association. So it's a, it's a broad spread of diverse organisations. The Wesley Church, just around the corner from here, they're, they're quite diverse organisations who've made that commitment to work together because they share common passion about uh, real change, about transforming workers' lives so they have decent wages and can participate in society. And it's working because... Uh, Building people power really, really creates change. It makes change happen, and that's what's happening through the living wage movement. Yeah. So when you talk about building people power, that sounds like quite a um, union-influenced kind of term. (laughs) And so I know there are kind of three main strands, as you've kind of discussed. Can you just talk us through the three main strands that form the living wage movement and kind of how they're represented on your governance committee? Yeah, well, we... um, we have uh, we've always right from the beginning brought together. I personally come out of a a union background of about um, of well over thirty years of activism and also um, working as a union organizer and campaigner. So that's my background. My counterpart in Auckland comes out of a community background, um, and so she's come out of a community organizing background. Uh, our our movement 
brings together that and and threads together or weaves together that diversity. Our three strands are faith groups and community organisations and unions. And I guess that story of how that happened was certainly from my perspective as someone in a union. In 2011, I was working with very low-paid workers, with cleaners, security guards, at that time caregivers, who were on poverty wages and who just could not get by. And they just could not, no matter what they did, no matter how committed they were or how much action they took, they couldn't... um, they couldn't build the power that they needed to make the change to really get decent wages. And we saw that we had to go out, reach out. We didn't have a monopoly over caring about poverty in New Zealand. And actually we needed to join forces with those in the community and in faith groups who shared that concern, and that's exactly what we've done. And through that we've created a much more powerful, diverse and richer movement because we do share, um, at every level of our work, we share, um, we share that what we do with the three strands. And yeah, that includes on our National Governance Committee, but that's uh, a group that meets every three months or so. Most of our work happens at the grassroots, and that's where people are active. So with... If we can just talk a little bit about the living wage itself and kind of, we're kind of talking about having enough to get by and participate in society. And I think the, um, what do you guys call it? The um, be an active citizen in the community. So what, what does that comprise of both in what you're getting paid and what you might be expecting to how getting paid less than that would stop you from participating in the that's community? A, yeah, that's a good question. I guess one of the ways that illustrates this really well is, so I'm thinking of Muhammad. He's a cleaner with Wellington City Council, He and he cleans, um, he cleans one of the libraries. He's um, a former refugee with, I think, about five or six children. Muhammad was working on the close to the minimum wage, employed by a contractor, and he was working about 60 hours a week. Since he's moved to the living wage because of the fantastic commitment of Wellington City Council being New Zealand's first living wage council. Kia so since hmm? Kia ora. Yeah, <laughs> Wellington just, City Council. Yeah, it's great. Um, Muhammad's been able to reduce his hours to 40 hours a week. And that means, so participating in society for him means taking his kids to the park. It means his kids got a dad to do things with. And so it means that he can um, he can participate and be active in his community. That's just one of the ways that uh, that illustrates what being an active member of society means. It may mean having enough money to uh, catch public transport to go to one of the events that is happening in in the city. Um, it may mean taking, you know, going really occasionally to the movies. It may mean being able to afford a computer in the home. Um, so things that enable workers and their families to actually participate. You know, I'm thinking of some of the students 
who are on really low wages. We were, we've got a very active campaign at Victoria University and we talk to the students a, a lot. And some students are just working such long hours just to pay the rent that the, the, the part of being active in society, which is doing their study and doing well in their education, is one thing that's really suffering. And we want to see wages lifted so that people don't have to work those unbearable hours that take them away from uh, being able to be active, both in terms of doing the things that they enjoy, but also contributing to society. And I could go on. It means families being able to afford for their kids to play sports. It means means an unlimited number of things. Mm. And many of the stories that we hear from workers who are on really low pay are about not being able to afford those things um, and being on the living wage is about, at last, actually being able to buy the school, buy the uniform for kids to be in a sports team. Mm. So it's a very practical thing, but also kind of an ideological thing, the idea that, I guess... If we live in an unequal society, then we're all worse off for it, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm glad that you raised that because when you think about, sometimes people say, who pays for the living wage? And we need to flip that around really and think, well, who pays for low wages? You know, who pays for poor health and education outcomes? Who pays for debt? Who pays for the stress that's on individuals and their families? Who pays for students who bomb out and don't do well in their studies because of the pressure of work and having to pay pay the rent? So who pays for all those things? And so the the benefit is for the whole community. The benefit of lifting wages is is spread out across the whole community. And, of course, low-paid workers uh, spend all their all their disposable income in local communities. You know, they're not investing it offshore, uh, or buying, you know, overseas businesses. They're actually out there spending, contributing, getting involved and getting active, and that's what we want to see. We want to see that equality of everybody being able to do that, all workers having a living wage. Since you came on last, a few things have changed. And just when I was thinking about it beforehand, I was thinking about the 2017 election when Materia Ture was talking about her, um, you know, that kind of benefit fraud discussion and how the public responded to that. But also things like um, the Equal Pay Amendment Bill, I think that came in later. Then all these reports about business confidence being down under the new government... Now we've got a wellbeing budget coming up. So this is all very governmenty stuff. But also, um, I guess another thing that's changed since then is we got a major bank signed up to the living wage. So can you just talk us a bit through about the kind of current climate and what's been happening the last few years? There's probably a lot of other things I could have raised there. Sure. So it was, go ahead. Well, there's a lot of good things in the current climate. And... Uh, it is right from the beginning when we when we first launched and when we first launched the living wage rate, we called on wealthy corporates to lead the way on the living wage, and they've been slow to do that, and that's been 
yeah, well, inexplicable, really. So it's great to see the likes of AMP and Vector jump on board with the living wage. And it's really great to see Westpac become a living wage employer. They have got 500 contracted workers who've had their lives transformed by this. They're hospitality workers, cleaners, security guards, um, and some parks and gardens type people. So that's been been really great. They were already had their directly employed staff on the living wage. So First Union had negotiated that. Mm -hmm. Um, But fantastic to see a corporate value their, their whole workforce. And that sets an example. That's that's put the challenge out to other other large corporates to to follow on. So yeah, we're very pleased about that. We're really pleased that our number of living wage employees is growing. And so, as far as the pick up, the take up of the living wage amongst employers is going, it's it's good news. It's great. And the the change of government has been good because the uh, this government. We held a very large forum in um, in Wellington during the last election campaign, and actually, I recall I was on this program uh, quite close to when that forum took place. It was uh, in the in St Peter's Church, and it was packed out. And the parties that attended that forum were the Green Party, New Zealand First, the Māori Party, and Labour. National and ACT decided not to come. At that forum, hundreds and hundreds of people representing all different walks of life in our community uh, were there to challenge them, to make a commitment that should they become the government, they would adopt the living wage for in the public service. And that commitment was made that day, and a a very clear commitment was made. Well, then those parties, three of those parties, formed a government. So it was fantastic to um, to be able to be able to go back and say to them, <laughs> "Great, you've made this commitment. We actually got it in writing. Um, there were forums <laughs> nice. across the country. So now we want to see delivery on this." And we did that the first couple of weeks after the election. The um, the directly employed workers in the core public service were lifted to the living wage last September with hundreds and hundreds of workers getting a pay rise as a result. And the commitment is there to um, to lift the contracted workers in this term of government. So so the change of government has been has been really good for a lot of workers and good in terms of the commitment to the living wage. We've got a way to go to get to extend that across the whole public sector and that will be keeping that public um, call in front of government and we expect um, we expect this government to to uh, respond to that call and to continue to um, push the living wage out through the public service especially for those contracted workers the cleaners that clean um, government buildings overnight Will be will be on close to the minimum wage. Mm. Um, of course, it's worth commenting as well about the the increases to the minimum wage. This government has done well in terms yeah. of lifting the minimum wage, and we you know we strongly support that because that moves the, that's moving everyone closer towards the living wage, and um, we we applaud that. 
the uh, the commitment to the, that the government's made. Moving the minimum wage by a dollar twenty an hour. Um, so on the same day that you made yes, your announcement, yes, yeah. they also thought they'd make an announcement too. Exactly. <laughs> so what was their announcement? Well, we feel well. Uh, the, the minimum wage moved from sixteen fifty to um, seventeen seventy. And um, we uh, we feel that the call around the the living wage and the public support around the living wage has helped to um, put pressure on the minimum wage. It's helped raise visibility, yeah. visibility that it's not a living wage. It's fa- it's it's a poverty wage, and great. It's good news to see it to see it lifting, and we look forward to the the lifts in the minimum wage in the future. But our focus is on doing what we can to spread the adoption of the living wage. And you've got a few cool projects on the go at the moment. We've got some great projects. So anyone who's out there who's a student at Victoria University, there's a new um, living wage club that's just had their initial general meeting. The, the campaign is cranking up well at Victoria University and we are going to focus on the 80 or 90 cleaners that are, that are there, um, but also on the low rates for students. Um, so um, it, it's be quite easy through VUSA um, for students to find out about the campaign. We also have a a very exciting um, partnership, a project, a photo project with Changemakers Resettlement Forum. So the local living wage movement has joined up with Changemakers Resettlement Forum um, to uh, produce a, a photo exhibition uh, for World Refugee Day on the working lives of refugee background um, New Zealanders who are working in Wellington. And the message of that um, exhibition is these are people who we want to welcome into Aotearoa and who come here with nothing and who work very hard, make a fantastic contribution. And they come with nothing but bring a lot. <laughs> they come with nothing and they bring an amazing amount to you know to our country and yet so many are in very very low paid jobs and our exhibition is going to reflect it's going to shine out that the contribution and the um what's a positive message about our um our partnership and and welcoming of refugee background workers but it's also it's not shying away from showing that actually it's pretty tough Mm. it's pretty tough if you're a cleaner working six days a week and you're a single mum with five kids actually and that's the reality of being on a very low wage and that's Mm. what we're going to show it's on world refugee day at uh, six o'clock at the national portrait gallery and we'll be having a lot more publicity about that um, before it comes up. But uh, we're expecting that to be a really moving and and great exhibition and event. And we're very proud to be working with our friends and partners at Changemakers Resettlement Forum. They are a living wage employer and they're also a member organisation of the living wage movement. Thank you, Lindy. <laughs> there Thank was you. lots to talk about, but um, pleasure. We'll have you on again sometime, and you can keep us posted with um, your successes in the living wage movement. Thank you so much. Great talking Thanks. to you.